Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back to the Tales Never Fails podcast. I am your host, I am your producer, C. Brents, Cody, or Super Producer Bean, whatever you want to call me. Joining me is the football guru of this podcast, Parker Early. Parker, how the hell are you doing today? Doing good, man. Just uh, We're getting really close to football now. Um, probably by the time people are hearing this, every team has played a preseason game, so uh, we're digging into the nitty-gritty now. Yeah, we're very close to the big Thursday here where uh, most of the teams will play, and uh, we'll get the first glimpse of some people, such as like Andrew Luck and whatnot. But today, we are going to continue on with the AFC East, and we are going to talk about the J-E-T-X, Jets, Jets, Jets. Parks, any uh, first remarks on this Jets team here? Well, you know, they're coming into a completely new season, uh, continuing Todd Bowles. But, uh, you know, there's kind of a new face of the franchise coming forward with Sam Darnold. And I mean, that just brings us into the quarterback talk, which is it's really interesting right now. But, um, yeah, it just seems like the team's trying to turn a new page here. Um, They drafted the youngest uh, quarterback in the draft here. Yeah, there's definitely a little uh, controversy there, to say the least. And uh, they drafted someone to hopefully be the future. Good old Sam Darnold, who has a giant face, by the way. I'm not sure if you've seen that. <laughs> it's very big. And then you have uh, good old Teddy under the Bridgewater, who's coming off that uh, injury and didn't really get much playing time last year. If, if he did at all, I'm not sure. And then you have the good old veteran who's been there a couple year a year. How many years has he been there? Yeah, just one year just after a uh, stint with the Browns. Yeah, Josh McCown. So, uh, Josh, uh, I mean, Parks, uh, what are we doing here at quarterback for the Jets? The, the true answer is that nobody knows. And like I said, you're probably going to learn more by the time that we uh, air this, you know, with the preseason game. But I'm kind of going to give you my long-term views of where I kind of see all three of these guys ending up. And um, because I've been seeing, you know, some talk in the media about how people are assuming this is going to go. And I have, you know, some ideas of how I think it's going to go. And everyone seems to agree so far in camp that Teddy Bridgewater is the best quarterback. Um, like you said, when he's healthy, he's completely fine. It's just, you know, it's been two full seasons since he's been healthy. Um, but a lot of people view him as an NFL starting quarterback, and he'll probably be an NFL starting quarterback. You know, he took that long route to recovery. Um, but people obviously want to see it in game action first before giving him anything substantial. And the Jets kind of just saw it as, you know, whether we're drafting a quarterback, you know, we have McCown who started last year. He's just this cheap quarterback who, you know, whatever happens in the preseason, we could flip him for something. Um, you know, my opinion is right now that, you know, there's not much, there's nobody looking for a quarterback right now that's going to give you something of huge value for Teddy Bridgewater because, um, I just think that they know that, you know, the Jets are trying to dump Teddy Bridgewater. Um, there's a lot of reports that Sam Darnold's looking really good in camp, and we're going to kind of talk about that in just a minute, but, um, you know, and that he's poised to start in week one. So, you know, those reports are coming out. You know, everyone knows that you're going to try and trade Teddy Bridgewater. All of a sudden, his value's diminished a little bit. So if I'm the Jets, I'm, you know, continuing to trot him out there, but I'm saying that I'm not afraid to go into the season starting Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and this is where it kind of throws into an interesting dynamic because, like I said, the media reports are saying Darnold is probably set and poised to start in week one. I'm saying I wouldn't mind going into the regular season with Teddy Bridgewater. You know, there's a trade deadline. Um, think about the Aaron Rodgers situation. You know, if he lands on his collarbone in week three, you know, all of a sudden the demand for Bridgewater is just so much higher. Or, like I said, you're up against, you know, cut day of training camp and you're telling teams, no, we're not going to trade him for nothing, you know, for 25 cents on the dollar because we're going to keep him and start him into the season. We're not afraid to do that. And I don't think you have to be afraid to do that because of Sam Darnold. Um, 
I know everyone wants to, you know, he's the guy, like I said, he's the new, you know, the face of the franchise, the future. Um, you have to get your quarterbacks out there. I subscribe entirely to the idea of um, building off of a quarterback on a rookie contract because they make so little compared to all of their peers that um, you can really put a lot of money in around them and have a really good team around them while they're in their first four or five seasons, you know, five for Darnold because he's on his, uh, he's in a first round deal. So um, I subscribe to the idea to getting a rookie quarterback on the field early. My issue with Darnold is if he starts in week one, um, he would be the second youngest quarterback to ever start a week one NFL football game. Um, I will say before I get into it that, you know, I had Sam Darnold as my number one quarterback of this draft class. Um, I would probably would have took him number one overall um, ahead of Baker Mayfield if I was the Browns. And it's because I kind of see the long vision with Darnold. Um, but you also understand that this dude is really young and he's really raw. And um, once you throw him into that starting mix, you can't really pull him back out. Um, you know, I liked Deshaun Kaiser last year. I'm not even going to lie about it, but um, I said to, you know, to Browns fans and I said, and if we had a season preview podcast, I would have said that, you know, once you throw him out there to start, you can't bench him the way that Hugh Jackson did. You know, I think it was week three. He was making mistakes that, you know, he was actually, um, he's, he's about the same age as Sam Darnold. Um, if Sam Darnold were to start in week one, um, he would have been the same age as Kaiser. So, you know, week three, he's making those young, dumb mistakes and uh, he had the quick pull from him, kind of shook his confidence. Um, then you're throwing him back in there. You're pulling him back out. You can't have that. Um, it's different because Kaiser was a second round pick and Darnold was a first, but I see the same um, type of issues and it comes down to with Darnold. The reason that I like him so much is because mentally I think that he has it. Um, I think that he processes speed of the game faster than anybody else. Um, I think he gets through progressions really well. I think he throws with anticipation. Um, all of the things that really are tough to teach and that are really, you know, take years of experience in the NFL. It seems like he, he just has that with the snap of a finger. And that's probably why he's destroying it in practice. Um, the issue with him is mechanically he has some uh, some question marks. Um, he holds the ball down way too low. It results in a ton of fumbles. And he has some sloppy footwork in the pocket. Um, he kind of just doesn't really worry about what base he's throwing off of. And that can work in college, but it came back to bite him in his second year. And, you know, those two things that I talked about, you know, fumbles and interceptions are what's going to come from Sam Darnold. So if you do throw him in week one, you have to know that this guy needs to start every single game he's healthy from 1 to 16, no matter how bad it gets, and it's going to get bad. Like I said, Darnold's my number one quarterback coming out. It's going to get bad for this guy because um, you're going to have to you're going to have to change muscle memory, um, which I think is easier than changing, like I said, processing. Um, I think it's easier to change muscle memory and to you know, have him consistently hold the ball up higher, but it is going to take snaps within the speed of the game for him to get that. So it's going to take turnovers. So um, my question is, you know, maybe you do just hold him out until week three or four, you know, and you just continue to build on that progression. You know, you throw him out there in the preseason for sure, and you continue to build him and you continue to build him. And um, that's what a guy like Teddy Bridgewater is there for. And I think he can build value into the regular season. So a lot of people are seeing Darnold in week one, and I love Darnold. I probably would just ride, you know, until an injury or something comes up, you know, I don't think Jameis Winston, you know, the suspension is going to get the Bucks interested in Bridgewater. So um, until something comes up and somebody's really, truly desperate, and I understand you have to trade Bridgewater at some point, I just don't think it has to be before week one, especially considering what you have with Darnold and the fact that he's the long-term plan. I understand you want to throw him into the speed of the game, but like I said, I think he can figure that out, and it's more of developing muscle memory at this point and then putting it in the speed of the game. So maybe give him a little bit, and if you do throw him in there, um, expect expect issues because he's going to turn the ball over.
Yeah, you brought up a really good point how uh, the Browns kind of screwed with Kaiser. I mean, he's not even on the team anymore, and he, they threw him into the fire too early. And if you're a Jets fan, you're probably, I would call you a very miserable fan. You've missed the playoffs a whole bunch. You know, the last playoff game you had, you lost to the field goal to the Steelers. I mean, you, the butt fumble kind of put him back. I and mean, if you're a Jets fan, you're just not just a happy fan right now. And you get a, just a promising, maybe the best quarterback of the draft, who could be your franchise quarterback. It's what every NFL team is looking for. And the last thing you want is him to turn to a bust. And the many ways that he can turn to a bus is for it to be thrown into fire too quickly to lose confidence and just burn out. Right. And I don't even think the issue, like I said, it's not even throwing him into the fire. It's having the right expectations if you throw him into the fire. Nobody. And that's this is more of like a societal problem than it is um, you know, an NFL or a quarterback development problem. But nobody has the patience to sit through an, a rookie even, even a rookie top 10 pick. Nobody has that patience to watch him continually turn the ball over. You know, yeah. if, if he starts three games and he has, you know, two touchdowns and six interceptions um, and a fumble, it's just going to be, you know, same old Darnold from college, turnover Darnold. He's never going to get better when the fact is he probably is getting better every single week. It's just you're looking at the major, you know, the small little picture in the small sample when the Jets are looking at the big picture and understanding what he's developing into. Um, but it's just nobody, you know, the New York media gets on him. You know, the GM's just under fire every day. Oh, what a bad pick. And, you know, it really does happen as quick as like five or six weeks because the media has nothing to talk about. All the, because, you know, they don't follow the NFL like some of us do. You know, they just follow the quarterbacks and everything's to blame or everything's to praise on the quarterback. So um, if you throw Darnold in, you have to understand that it could just be bad this year. It could really be bad. And like I said, I love the kid. I think he's going to be great. But um, he's going to turn the ball over a ton. There's just no way around it. I just don't know, you know, if the media can just calm down, if the GM and the coach know that they're, you know, safe for the long term and they can play this thing out. It's just it never seems to work out that way, unfortunately. Um, that's just the way the NFL is. And uh, a quick little note here. Todd Bowles had a quote about these quarterbacks. He said, I got I got to say this is the best three quarterback combination room I've been around from a mental standpoint. So that is great to have. So as a Jets fan, I feel like you know, nice little preseason coming up here. You have uh, something for uh, good, something good to look forward to. Jesus. Yeah, and just to throw in the last guy, Josh McCown. I didn't really talk about him, but Johnny Manziel tweeted something out saying that, um, you know, he was like, I didn't have McCown my rookie year, and I had him my sophomore year, and I just understand, you know, that why my rookie year went the way that it did, and it would have went so much differently if I had a guy like Josh McCown. And um, I write about for the Bears all the time that Mitchell Trubisky, one of the underrated things was the Bears gave him Mike Glennon and Mark Sanchez. And, you know, you laugh at both of them on the field, but off of the field, they're, you know, they helped Mitchell Trubisky handle the media. They helped hand, handle the scrutiny. And um, that's what a guy like Josh McCown brings that nobody's really going to talk about. Um, those are two professionals, Bridgewater and McCown. Um, perfect situation for Darnold. And like I said, it's a perfect situation to ease him in, dip his toes in, and then figure it out from there. Oh, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to the O-line here. Um, let's, first of all, about this offense, uh, some stats. They were 28th overall in total offense, rushing 19th and passing 25th. Um, this offensive line, um, I, how would you describe it? I would describe it as, you know, hoping for something, you know, hoping for something to stick. You know, they're kind of looking around at every position, and the issue is I don't really like any of the depth either, so – you kind of look into this starting five and you're just, like I said, you're hoping and you're just hoping that something comes together here. Um, it starts with Kelvin Beecham at left, left tackle. Um, you know, I'm a Pittsburgh guy. If you listen from the first podcast, you know, we remember he was a seventh round pick for the Steelers. 
um, really just drafted off of, you know, he's a smart player. He understands the position well, but um, he was completely undersized. Um, a lot of people looked at him as a guard. Um, he doesn't really have the reach or the size to play the position. But like I said, he was so smart and so heady that he was able to manage. And actually, he's gotten himself a couple of contracts, but um, he tore his ACL in uh, 2015. Um, and he started since then and he's played well since then. But he really, you know, like I said, he's a player who was drafted off, of, you know, not off of size and not off of athleticism. And the size is never going to come. And the athleticism really took a hit in 2015. So um, he's honestly, in my opinion, on the downside of his career already. And uh, he's a, he's in a walking boot right now at camp. And you start to look at the depth, like I said, in the Jets uh, tackle group. And it's really questionable. Um, Brandon Shell's on the right side. Uh Started three games two years ago, 12 last year. Um, you know, he's a middle-of-the-road guy, and there's really not much upside to him. So um, the tackle group's an issue, and that's a question with, you know, bringing in a quarterback or, you know, who's going to be the guy uh, under quarterback because, like I said, there's no depth. Um, the upside in Beecham is completely gone, and the floor is starting to get, you know, lower and lower with a guy like him. Um, you, get, you go inside of the guards, and, you know, Brian Winters and James Carpenter – it could be fine on paper as a guard combination, but um, really both are coming off of poor seasons. And um, like I said, no depth really behind them. So you have a question there. Um, Spencer Long, I uh, believe they brought him in from Washington. Um, he's a strong starting center and he's been, uh, you know, pretty well. Um, he's played pretty well in his starts. Um, the issue with him is he, he has 31 starts in just four seasons. Um, that comes because of injury. So, you know, your center and your left tackle are the, the two anchors of your offensive line. Both of them have huge injury questions. Um, your guards are coming off, you know, arguably their worst seasons. And while your right tackle is kind of trending up, um, he really doesn't have a, you know, a, too high of a ceiling. You know, Antonio Garcia, a guy that they brought over from the Patriots, Travis Swanson is, you know, a swing guard who can play center in a pinch if Long is hurt. But, um, this is where you start to question, you know, I said that Sam Darnold actually, he was on an awful offensive line in USC and he handled pressure extremely well, um, much better than I thought any other quarterback. And that was one of the reasons that I was so high on Darnold, but it's going to be the same thing with the New York Jets. Um, there's just so little to get high on um, with, with this unit. Yeah. I mean, looking at their offensive line and, you know, you got to hope that they can, uh, least run block here because i mean the quarterback you have your problems you know with your wideout there's definitely some raw wideouts out there but let's go to these running backs here and they uh they they got this guy in isaiah crowell who's a solid little guy just an all-around veteran you can definitely run the ball and they still have blow power so what's uh what's up with these running backs here yeah i think right now crowell is you know number one on the depth chart but it's very clear that they're going to use the two of them situationally and um i'll just start by saying that you know i have a i had a sleeper in mind um He's injured right now, so it's it's going to throw some things off. But I really thought that he was going to leap into a more prominent role in Elijah McGuire. We'll talk about him probably in a second. But um, the Crowell and Powell thing, um, I kind of think that they're just you know two specialty backs. Really, you know, Crowell is obviously the between the tackles. Um, he's going to get the goal line carries. He's going to be the big plower. You know, um, last season. He was supposed to be the man in Cleveland. You can argue uh, play calling tendencies. And if you want to listen to the Cleveland Brown podcast, probably next week, we'll probably talk about play calling tendencies and how that they probably screwed over Isaiah Crowell a lot. But, you know, I think he's in his fifth year now, um, second team. You're kind of just wondering what you have in him, especially because, like I said, um, your interior might be your best option um, on the offensive line, but we're not exactly sure what we have in it. 
Um, Powell's a great player in that he has size, but he's also great in space. So like I said, you probably have Crowell between the tackles. You probably have Powell in the passing game. In between the two, you can pull off, you know, a strong running back. Um, it's just, you know, you're kind of just situationally going to, you know, pull a little bit here and pull a little bit there. I don't think that they have a guy between the two. Um, so it's going to be on the offensive coordinator, Jeremy Bates, who hasn't really called plays in a while to um, figure it out between the two. Uh, do you see any uh, fancy impact in Isaiah Crowell? I was reading that he's like a semi-sleeper. I mean, he, definitely in a non-PPR, he could be, a, you know, just plumbing into the end zone, get a couple touchdowns right. here and there. What, what's the thoughts fantasy-wise on these running backs? Yeah, non-PPR, you're probably looking into Crowell a little bit. I will say, um, I think I talked about Sigmund Bloom on the podcast last time. I think he's a really great fantasy mind. And he was talking about, um, I actually fell for it too. I drafted Crowell, I think in the fourth round last year. Um, I was buying into the offensive line, was buying into Hugh Jackson's nonsense. And, um, you know, Sigmund was kind of saying, I think Crow, Crowell's like a 10th round pick now. And he's saying, you know, what's the difference between, you know, last year he was a fourth round pick on the Browns and this year he's a 10th round pick on the, you know, on the Jets. You know, it's it's arguably a better offense overall. At least, you know, he's away from the stench of Cleveland. And I know I've talked about on another podcast how some players just leave Cleveland and all of a sudden they're a lot better. So, um a shot in the dark is Crowell, especially because I'll get into, you know, now my fantasy sleeper was going to be uh, Elijah McGuire. But um, it sounds like he's going to miss the entire preseason. Um, it's a second round, a second year player from um, UL Lafayette. I really liked what he did in his rookie year in spurts. I actually really liked him from uh, pre-draft. But um, and I've been following him and I thought this was going to be a chance for him because I think he brings enough between the tackles as a he has strong vision and he's a good one cut runner. So I think he had enough between the tackles to take some of the Crowell role. Um, he's electric out in space and uh, as a pass catcher. So I definitely thought he could cut in the to the Powell role. And I thought that by the end of the season, he's, you know, he's a guy for you. But um, it's probably delayed. And, you know, maybe you're looking, you know, as a midseason pickup is a guy like Elijah McGuire. So I would just keep an eye on Elijah McGuire's health. Yeah, last year I was a I was a big Bilal Powell guy. I picked him early in a couple of drafts, and that didn't turn out too well. And then uh, they had Matt Forte there too. But by the end of the season, it did look like Elijah McGuire was like almost taking like the lead there, and it was very impressive. Yeah, he had momentum. I'm I'm a fan of him. Um, Trenton Cannon is another guy, but he's honestly just going to make the team as a splash return man. So, um, is, real quick, is Thomas Rawls going to do anything? I just see him on the depth chart there. He, I mean, he's just honestly the Crowell role. You know, it's just if things go bad with Crowell, if, you know, yeah. all the downside that I talked about with Crowell is true, at least he's there. I know, you know, there's a thing that some ex-Seattle uh, Seahawks running backs who go elsewhere, um, it's more than just Alex Collins. He's the only one that comes to mind. But there's another Seattle guy who got cut from the Seahawks and all of a sudden is uh, decent in the NFL. Um, Alex Collins did it, so maybe Thomas Rawls is a similar similar situation. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has uh, some good, uh, like, you know, decent, like, some semi-seasons with Seattle, but those devastating injuries got to him, and so we'll see how it goes. But yeah, let's move on to uh, a very interesting um, group of players here with his wideouts. You got some raw talent, and you got a little controversy with good old Robbie Anderson. You know, you got Quincy Nuwu. You got Terrell Pryors on there now. I mean, tell me about these uh, wide receivers here. It's really deep, and it takes some sorting out to do to kind of figure out what they're doing. Um, there's probably five that I would highlight the most. And then, you know, a couple of these, you know, veteran depth guys that, you know, might make the team actually. So, um, cause there's a lot of receivers when you break it down. Um, but we'll start with my number one guy that I'm actually interested in. And, you know, I'm going to definitely talk about for fantasy is Robbie Anderson, who, you know, last season, he kind of just broke out. Um, he went from two touchdowns to seven, you know, 587 yards to 941. Um, 
Last season, he ranked sixth in deep targets, uh, 12th in air yards. Um, he was top 20 in typical receiving categories, but then he was 18th in uh, in yards per route. So you actually look at him across the board. He was a top 20 wide receiver last year. Um, he's 6'3". He's just lanky as heck, 190. Um, you know, you start to look into his backstory. Um, you know, a kid from Philadelphia, stayed in Philadelphia to play at Temple. Um, I definitely think his lankiness and, you know, that's that size issue um, had something to do with it, but this is a big time athlete who probably you know because he stayed so close to home in that in that area of Philadelphia that um, he was under recruited and you know or under talked about in NFL draft circles, and he has some of these off of the field issues which um, you know it, it it definitely is an issue. I mean he had a felony charge, but he's not suspended this year, and I think that is having a huge impact on his ADP, and we'll probably talk about it later. But like I said, last season he was a top 20 quarterback across the board or a top 20 wide receiver across the board. Um, he's going way later in fantasy drafts now. So um, it's interesting because he's not suspended. You know, if you can deal with the fact that, you know, I think he had a, it was like a felony charge. But um, if you can deal with the fact that he, you know, he beat the beat the charge or whatever, um, I think he would be a, def- a definite fantasy target. Um, and he is the guy that takes the top off. And that's what makes, I think, how the wide receivers, the next two guys are going to fit in. Um, Quincy and Noon one Jermaine Curse because those two work underneath more often. Um, and when you have a guy like Anderson, who, like I said, he demands respect deep, um, whether you believe it or not, or you know whether you think he can break out in year three or not. Um, I honestly think he broke out last year, and people just haven't recognized it yet. But um, he takes the top off. He demands respect. Quincy and Noon missed all of last season with an ACL injury, so he's back this year. He's kind of like he was a tight end coming up. And, you know, kind of a move player, you know, could slide into the fullback, could be an inline blocker at tight end, but definitely was an outside threat, um, was that definitely a player. Um, he's, you know, in and out of camp. I wouldn't, you know, be worried about his status in camp. I definitely think he's going to come back. And I think that his mismatch ability, um, like I said, the ability he can line up outside, in the slot, in line, many places, um, despite the fact that he's now situationally a wide receiver, um, I think that brings a lot of value, like I said, to the short passing game when you already have Anderson stretching the field out, then you have Jermaine Curse, who has been actually a, a strong blocker for his entire career. And um, I talk about how some, some running backs leave Seattle and get better. Um, he had a career year last year. I think that has to do with more of the fact that, you know, Anunwa is out. And uh, I think it took Anderson a few games to come on. Um, but the fact of the matter is, you know, he had a great year and he kind of, like I said, fits well in the fact that um, he can play in the slot and he can play outside. So between Anunwa and, uh, and curse, you can do some mixing and matching going on um, with a guy, like I said, Anderson, just so far deep. So you at least have something in the passing game. And um, I think that, you know, a guy like Sam Darnold, who, like I said, has, you know, deep field anticipation and isn't worried about it. Um, I think he could really find a spark with Robbie Anderson. So that's kind of how I see the starting guys. Um, to get into the two depth, you know, the main depth guys, Terrell Pryor is, you know. TP. Yeah, we don't know what the heck he is now. You know, he had that huge season in Cleveland, um, got paid a little bit in Washington and was, you know, posting these workout videos. He's in the best shape of his life. Such a um, he was such a bust and like he, you know, he said he got hurt early into camp, but you know, you're in this great shape, you know, and you're posting all these workout videos and you're doing absolutely nothing on Sundays. Um, it was weird. And, you know, like I said, there's so much depth here that he could end up getting canceled out. But if he plays up to his uh, ability, you know, he's six foot five. He's a former basketball player who can just jump, you know, like ridiculously. And he could be a goal line target. Um, you know, when you look at Anderson, he's so lanky. You know, if he's getting jammed at the goal line, um, I've talked about a Nunez more 
of a situational player and, you know, curse he's fine in, in, in the red zone, but you know, prior could be this red zone target for this offense. It's just how much do you trust this guy? Um, the last two players, honestly, would be Chad Hansen, who there's a lot of talk about Chad Hansen um, bubbling up right now. He was a rookie last year out of California. Um, good route runner. I would say that, you know, probably the plan is for next year. He kind of slides into the Jermaine Curse role. But um, if Jermaine Curse gets hurt or, you know, if you're wondering what's going on in the passing game, um, that's another guy probably in fantasy. You know, midseason, Jermaine Curse is hurt. Um, pick up Chad Hansen because I actually think he could step into that role really well and possibly do it better than um, – than Jermaine Curse. That's the top five. Our Darius Stewart last year um, was disappointing. I think he's like 24 years old in his second year, so um, I wouldn't get too excited about him right now. Yeah, they got some depth there, and uh, I think basically, especially from a fantasy perspective, I mean, you're looking at Robbie Anderson. I mean, he's I'm looking at him in like in PPR rankings. He's around 35. I mean, exactly. Other, other than that, if you're going to use any of these guys in fantasy, I mean, they're going to be you know you get a hope for like some deep depth and deep 12 team league or something like that. But there's definitely some promise there, just in just wide receiver wise. Yeah, I'm I'm telling you to just invest in Robbie Anderson, honestly. Um, like you said, he's going 35th. If you took him as the 25th wide receiver, I don't have any issue with that. So um, that's buying high on him. You know, you could probably even wait another round after that and uh, still probably get him. So um, Anderson, you know, I haven't said anybody really as a buy yet, as like a big buy in fantasy of the top three teams we've done. But um, Anderson's definitely a guy I'm buying into. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Let's move on to tight end here. And if we're being honest, if I'm being honest, I really don't know any of these guys. Tell me about <laughs> the tight end position for the Jets. Yeah, the casual fan is going to be like, what the heck? And I'm looking at the group and I'm kind of like, what the heck are they trying to do? Like, they're just throwing, they're really just throwing stuff together. And it's similar to the offensive line, but uh, at least they're investing uh, some draft capital into these guys. Um, Jordan Leggett was the guy from uh, Clemson. He was kind of Deshaun Watson's uh, big player. And you're kind of starting to realize that maybe it was more Deshaun Watson and less Jordan Leggett. Um, he was a guy that – I forget who. I like to credit people who come up with it. Or even he reported it, I think, that um, some scouts were calling him Lazy Leggett coming out because um, he refuses to block. I don't think he's – he's still last year. I don't think lazy he did any Leggett. blocking. Yeah, they call him Lazy Leggett. I swear, um, oh, man. All, going all the way back to Clemson because he refuses to block and he's a tight end. And um, he's not overly athletic. He's big and long. And um, I would say, you know, his upside is similar to like what somebody would have wanted from a career from Ladarius Green. But um, I don't think he's ever going to even hit that type of upside. You know, Green lost his career to concussions, but I don't think he's ever going to hit that upside as a guy who can kind of stretch the seam and use his body over the middle. Um so the guy that I would be looking for to stretch the seam and use his body over the middle is um, Chris Herndon from Miami. Maybe another, like if you're in Dynasty, you're probably looking at the name Chris Herndon um, because he didn't play really at all two seasons ago because we all know David Njoku from Miami um, was a freak athlete, was just killing it at tight end, you know, as a pass catcher for sure. Um, and, you know, the next season they not lose not only in Joku, but um, Herndon loses a starting quarterback in uh, Brad Kaya. So um, Kaya's not great by NFL standards, huge drop-off in play from college standards. So Herndon never really got the respect or got the um, anything that David Njoku got, but he went to the combine and he did similar things to a guy like Njoku. So now you're starting to think, this is a Miami tight end. I mean, I could just go down the list of Miami tight ends. Um, this dude is, you know, a freak athlete. He didn't really get the time or, you know, the quarterback play to ever shine in Miami. Um, maybe the Jets have something here. It's Like I said, it's definitely not going to happen this year. Or if it does, it would be just a huge, you know, shock surprise. But um, 
he definitely has some big time upside to stretch the field over the middle. And I talked about a noon while, you know, maybe you start lining Herndon out wide, you put a noon one in the slot or you shuffle those two um, off and on the line because I know Herndon really isn't a big blocker yet either. So um, that gets us to the other two who, in my opinion, if these are the two guys, you know, like I said, Lazy Leggett's not blocking for you at all. Um, Herndon Super Ron probably isn't going to block for you much, at least not this year. So um, Eric Tomlinson, middle of the road blocker, you know, you're probably trying to move on from him. And like I said, you're kind of just throwing stuff against the wall, hoping something sticks to replace him. Maybe it's Clive Walford. Um, he's another Miami guy, but um, he's more of an inline blocker. I don't think he's nearly as athletic as, you know, any of these other Miami tight ends who we always talk about. But, um, you know, if, if you got – he was actually, I think, like a second or third round pick. So if you got that type of talent out of him in line and you got Herndon as your type of slot tight end, um, you could mix and match and figure something out. But, I mean, you're talking about a guy on his second team in four years and you're talking about, like I said, a rookie who's raw who really couldn't get on the field two seasons ago and barely did anything um, this season you know, or last season at Miami. So um, you're asking for a huge step forward. Um, long term, I like, I like Herndon, but short term, don't like the tight end position much at all. All right, well, all in all, Jets fans, as we move on to defense here, I feel like you have a little bit of promise there on offense. I mean, you got the rookie quarterback, who possibly your franchise quarterback. You got some playmakers. You got you know, some solid running backs. So if you're looking at anything, Jets fans, that offense could possibly be a surprise this year. Um, Yeah, I could see it. And I, just, I would just say, you know, um, with, with a guy like Darnold, um, it probably is going to come down to he's going to turn the ball over. And they're going to score because, you know, they're in these shootouts because, like I said, he's turning the football over. Um, the difference is if you're starting Teddy Bridgewater, it's probably going to be a lot more conservative on offense. So um, even if you do buy a guy like Robbie Anderson and they take uh, Teddy Bridgewater into like week two or three, like I mentioned, and kind of ease Darnold along, um, maybe wait on maybe wait on Robbie Anderson and, you know, he'll still be a value or if you missed him at the draft and he has two poor weeks, and you know it's because of Bridgewater, um, maybe think that because Darnold's going to kind of let it rip more than Bridgewater, um, that maybe that's a, a midseason buy even. All right, well, let's move on to this Jets defense here. And this Jets defense, last year, 22nd points allowed. They uh, released Muhammad Wilkerson, their uh, best defensive lineman. Um, what are we looking at here in defense? I mean, I, I don't see much, but break it down for me here. Um, Leonard Williams is their best defensive lineman, and he was last year too. Uh, he was, what was, I think he was a top five pick from USC. Um, but he's a big time talent. He really is. And you know, you remember they used, they had, it was Leonard Williams. And how do you add him into Wilkerson and Richardson? And now it's just Leonard Williams. And, uh, you're wondering how they can piece things together beside him. Um, he's a big time upfield penetrator. So you have that, um, beside him right now is Steve McClendon who's just kind of a pure nose tackle, which is good on paper um, because you have McClendon, you know, hogging up space in the middle. You have Williams penetrating up the middle. So um, it could work out. I just, McClendon is, he's older. Um, there were questions that he was going to get cut last year. They're looking for really anybody to step in and take some snaps away from this player. So the question is, you know, who's going to take these snaps? Um, Henry Anderson is a guy that I liked him coming out. I think he's in his third season. Um, the issue is the Colts cut him, you know, I think they drafted him in the third round. But um, the Colts cut him because they just uh, – he can't stay healthy. Um, he really just can't. Um, I think he has back injuries now. But it was like, you know, from shoulder to spine to, like I said, you know, back, hand, everything. He just seems to always get beat up. Um, I can't rely on him for anything. So um, if he does hit, it's, it's a really nice player and it's a great addition to a 3-4 front. 
um, to go Williams, McClendon, Henry Anderson, those two ends actually with a guy like McClendon, you probably have something. It's just how many games can you actually expect to get out of Henry Anderson? Um, they drafted Nathan Shepard, who's a small school player. Um, he's an interesting story. He was a former bouncer. And I think Nate Burleson, who's on NFL Network, just like randomly discovered him and was like, hey, man, you need to be in the NFL. <laughs> they just like started working him out. And uh, he went to he went to a really small school. Uh, the Jets took him and they're actually he's listed as a starter on their depth chart. Um, I think Anderson is hurt and that's why. But um, th- he's the third guy in the mix right now. Um, super raw. But his tape, um, I think he was he was either in D2 or he was somewhere really small and was just tearing dudes apart. Um, his tape's insane to watch. But you just have to note that, you know, everything you're watching. You know, he's doing it against, you know, some accountant, you know, at some office right now. Um, then you start to look into the depth. There's actually some pieces there. Mike Pennell, um, I don't mind him. I think he's a great depth piece. So um, he, he doesn't have the starter appeal that any of the top guys have. But um, you keep him on the back end of your roster because a guy like Henry Anderson doesn't stay healthy. And uh, Fully Fodakusi, uh, probably butchered his name. He's a rookie from UConn. Um, I would look into him because I liked him, you know, arguably equal to Nathan Shepard. I think they took him two rounds later, but, um, you know, all of a sudden, if you could get Fadakusi and you could get Shepard rolling next to a guy like Leonard Williams, then you have something. It's just right now you're looking at it's Williams, it's an old veteran in McClendon, it's an injured an injured player, and then it's two unproven rookies from you know the fourth round on. So it's Leonard Williams, and then you just you're just wondering from there. Um. Okay. Was that the interior? Yeah. Okay, let's go to the edge here. By the way, that what how do you say that guy's name? Futoxi? Fadakasi? Fadakasi. That's a, that's a name right there. Big fan of him. So, <laughs> Foley. <laughs> All right, Parks. Well, let's go to the uh, edge rushers here. What are we looking at? Um, the edge is honestly worse than the, the than the interior. At least, like I said, you have depth on the on the interior. Um, you don't know what you have as far as starter quality, but you have depth in it. Here you just wonder what the heck you have whatsoever. Um, Jordan Jenkins, I actually wanted the Steelers to draft him as like a – I'm sorry that I, I bring it to Steelers a lot, but um, if you could compare him to Anthony Ciccolo, that's kind of how I see him in that you know he's technically sound. He can you know stuff the run. Um, he's the third guy in the Steelers' rotation, and you know the Steelers would probably like him to be their fourth guy you know, if they were you know, a Super Bowl contending team, Jordan Jenkins is probably easily the best player of the Jets' edge rushers right now. Um, he is, like I said with Chicolo, just the technique is completely there. Um, he's a run-stuffing dog. Um, he's more of a high-effort player than Chicolo. Um, I definitely pr- would prefer him over Chicolo. Like I said, I would have hoped that the Steelers would have had him as their third edge rusher. Um, but he's, like I said, he's the number one edge rusher for the Jets, so it's a huge question mark, but I do like his uh, run-stuffing. It's just everything else after that. You just, you know, like I said, he's not bringing the pass rush. So who is from these edge rushers? Josh Martin's on his fourth team in five years. Um, Lorenzo Malden, uh, a defensive end turned out outside linebacker from uh, Louisville, hasn't done anything yet. So like I said, you know, Steve McClendon's going to be on the field a ton. He's not an upfield guy. Henry Anderson, even if he's healthy, is not an upfield guy. Um, Shepard and Fadakusi are upfield penetrators, but they're both just raw rookies. And then in this other pass rush, you really have nothing. So um, Leonard Williams is just going to carry the whole world on his shoulders with this group. Yeah. Well, okay, let's let's go to the inside of those uh, linebackers and kind of um, – what are we looking at there? They've got um, – they signed a free agent from the Tennessee Titans, Avery Williamson. Um, really good run stuffer. He doesn't really move too far outside of the box. But that's fine with them because his complement is Darren Lee – 
who um, is in his third season, former first-round pick from Ohio State. Um, a lot of people compared him to Ryan Shazier. He kind of took over from Ryan Shazier. Um, I never thought he was as physical as Ryan Shazier, and you know maybe that was a detriment to Shazier. But um, Dar- Darren Lee's, you know, he's perfect next to Avery Williamson, and it was a great signing in Avery Williamson. And you would expect a guy like Todd Bowles to understand how these two are going to fit perfectly together because like I said, Williamson isn't going to leave the box. He's going to, you know, shove everything in front of him and, you know, keep smaller players in front of him. And then you have Lee, you know, if you have that tight end who can stretch the seam, um, he can run, you know, with anybody down the field. Like I said, every issue that I have with him comes physically in the box, comes being an enforcer in that area. So you bring in Williamson who arguably can be that enforcer. Um, You really have a good duo who can play off of each other. So maybe this is a third year breakout for Darren Lee. Um, Like I said, you know, some people are saying, you know, this could be an all pro type of season for Darren Lee. I'm definitely not there yet, but um, I could definitely see him taking steps forward. Um, Like I said, as a play caller and as a guy who can um, do a lot of things out in space, um, really like the depth as well. Kevin Minter, um, the issue that I've always had with him is he's extremely limited to being a run stuffer. But like I said, you're looking for that pure run stuffer to replace Avery Williamson. So that's what he is. And then Kevin Pierre-Louise, um, they would, the Seahawks would just use him specifically as a pass uh, defending uh, linebacker. So you have, you know, like I said, a pure run stuffing linebacker and a pure pass uh, defending linebacker as your depth. It fits well with a guy like Darren Lee and Avery Williamson. So um, top to bottom, actually really like the depth as far as this linebacker crew and, um, like the you know the front guys are an issue and uh, these guys aren't too bad and then as you start to get further back it starts to get even better. Yeah, let's move back to the secondary here. I mean this uh, this pass yards last year they were nineteenth with pass yards of uh, defense and mm-hmm. uh, you see a couple of noticeable names with Morris Claiborne and Buster Screen. What kind of what kind of promise we have here in the Jets secondary? Yeah, I definitely think it could it could increase in that area, and I think that you know it wasn't even their fault in that area. But I mean, we'll talk about how it'll definitely increase in the area. But um, you start with a big free agent signing in Tremaine Johnson um, from the Rams last season. You know they franchise tagged him, so you know the Rams saw him as an elite player. Um, they obviously moved on, you know, to their fair share of cornerbacks. But um, the Jet, you know, the Jets aren't missing anything with Tremaine Johnson. You know, they're actually getting a, a solid player, in my f- opinion. Um, big physical compressed can really get in guys face and you know i was questioning the pass rush maybe the pass rush is helped by the fact that you have long cornerbacks who can be physical up front and can uh cause uh cause wide receivers to be slow off of the ball and then all of a sudden you know you have more time to get to the quarterback um and it starts with a guy like tremaine johnson and then you talked about morris claiborne who you know everyone kind of talks about him as a bust now because he didn't really live up to, you know, the Cowboys traded a ton up to go get him. Uh, LSU defensive back, you know, all of the like was supposed to just be, you know, Patrick Peterson type of player. He's definitely not that. He's definitely an average cornerback. Um, but I would say as a number two cornerback, he's more of a high end number two cornerback. So um, I think that with Tremaine Johnson, he's really found a role. And um, I think he's really good. Um, I think the last two seasons, He's played really well. Um, Morris Claiborne has. Um, I know he's missed time in each of the last two seasons, and that's probably the big issue for a guy like him. Um, fortunately, they have depth. But like uh, when you have these two on the outsides, uh, with both of them having length, both of them having athleticism, now you're starting to press these guys, and you're starting to get some uh, some pressure on the corner quarterback. And you talked about Buster Screen. Um, was really playing outside a lot last season. He's going to transition into the slot because of the tr- the addition of Tremaine Johnson, or they may even get rid of him because um, we'll start to get into the depth. But I really like the idea of 
Screen was a solid outside corner. Um, he's a little undersized and he's quick footed. So, you know, the profile says that he can move into the slot somewhat easily. And, you know, from there you have a one through three. That's really something. But um, to get into the depth, I actually really like this kid, Perry Nickerson from Tulane. I think he was a fourth round pick, um, plays way bigger than his size. He's like five foot nine. Um, and he's going to be limited to the slot in the NFL, but he plays so physical. And um, he's exactly the type of player that. Um, I think he either had the fastest time in the 40 or the second fastest time in the 40 um, at the combine this year. And he's a guy that is, like I said, plays physical. So he's going to be up in slot cornerbacks face pressing them. Um, and he's not afraid to do that because he has that speed. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, we talk about Teddy Bridgewater's on the block. Um, maybe at some point Buster screen becomes available because you like what you have here. But the idea is that these cornerbacks are going to be physical. They're going to be pressing. Um, they're going to be daring the quarterback to, you know, throw deep and beat them deep, but that buys time for their pass rush. So um, just to round out the depth, um, Justin Burris, Derek Jones, Daryl Roberts, all really are strong depth pieces on the outside. Um, but like I said, the first player, you know, if Claiborne goes down, you're just bumping screen right back to the outside and all of a sudden Perry Nickerson's in the slot. So um, I, re I really like the depth top to bottom and I like that they have a plan and that they have an idea with what they're supposed to do with these cornerbacks. Yeah, there's definitely some promise there, some big names, you know. You can't hate the cornerback situation. I feel like nowadays the cornerbacks are very important, so at least they're semi-strong there, to say the least. Right. So let's move to the safeties here. We have, what I'm looking at, Jamal Adams, Marcus May. What, uh, what do the Jets have back there? I think it rounds out what is, um, like I said, maybe the vision of the team and maybe the foundation of the team is, you know, we have this strong secondary now. Let, you know, it's lethal, arguably. Now let's build around it. Um, you talked about how they struggled last year. You know, they started two rookies. Um, Jamal Adams, obviously, you know, was a top 10 pick for the Jets. And then Marcus May, I, I believe, was the very next round in round two. Um, May, you know, a lot of people saw him as a late first round pick. I wasn't too high on him, but then you start to look at his uh, – his last tape at Florida, he was actually dealing with, I believe it was an ankle injury. But um, the two things that both of these players bring, um, really they bring a couple of things that are very similar to each other, but they both bring like an attitude and a swagger. And, you know, um, Jamal Adams is just like the emotional leader of a football team. And, you know, that's really, um, he wasn't like a game-changing type of player. Um, a lot of people thought that Malik Hooker's ceiling on the football field was better than his um, in that draft debate. But um, a lot of people rode with Adams because he was that football guy, that emotional leader, that guy, you know, who's there, you know, 12 hours a day, just putting in the work, just grinding guys. And um, he's never out of place situationally. Um, it's the same idea with Marcus May. You know, these were two captains. These are two communicators. These are two guys who are always in the right spot. And then you talk about, you know, uh, Jamal Adams can play single high. You know, he's not the best athlete, like I said, but he's so smart that he can play that single high. Um, he's so physical that you love him in the box. But at the same time, Marcus May is ridiculously physical, um, loves to play, loves to play uh, downhill and that loves to play into the box. So um, they're, they're both combination safeties. Um, May's more likely going to play the single high. Um, and he really is kind of like a conductor back there. Um, he's always pointing stuff out. He's pretty heady. Um, and then you have kind of Adams in the box kind of yelling things out and defending the run and, you know, sticking his head in there, um, really being an impact player. I just love what they have in these two. Um, I love that they drafted them together. I love that they have an identity with them together. And now, like I said, you know, you have an identity with your cornerbacks um, really, really high on the secondary. And like you said, you know, if you watch the Super Bowl, um, you know, we're, we're throwing the football now. You know, this is 2018. Uh, we're throwing the football. We're not running it anymore. And the Jets are at least prepared for that. You start to look at their depth. Um, Doug Middleton is a guy that um, just want to throw in there because he seems to be balling out in camp. Um, there's at least some talk about him. So um, 
overall, when you say, what do the Jets have right now? It's quarterback and it's this secondary. And it's really um, not just, you know, as far as talent on the field with May and Adams. Uh, those two are just complete locker room leaders. And uh, I think they already have they already have a, more of an identity now because of those two. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, you know, the Jets are last year 5-11. and 11, um, So let's move on to the uh, over-under over here. They're set at 5.5. I mean, uh, it's mainly like even the odds for the division, we're all looking at the same between the first two teams we said, the Dolphins and the um, Bills. So the Jets plus 1,400, Dolphins plus 1,200, uh, Bills plus 1,200 to win the AFC East. So the over-under is 5.5. Um, if you're a betting man, what would you, you do here? This one is, um, you know, we went hard on the under with the Bills. This one, just like the uh, Dolphins, I think is just right on. Um, I, I just see them being a 5-11 and 11 football team this year. And, um, you know, we kind of say, oh, well, you know, they were kind of just there last year. You talked about, oh, if the secondary can take a step forward. You know, we talked about the issues that this team has in a pass rush. And the secondary can only do so much. But, you know, who are you, where, where are you getting pressure off of the edge? Um, how can you compliment Leonard Williams? I have issues with both of them. Um, you know, the tight ends, you're just hoping something sticks. The O-line, you're just hoping something sticks. Um, even with the quarterback position, we don't even know what the heck, you know, who's starting right now. Um, I kind of think with a guy like Bridgewater, like I said, it's an extremely conservative type of football. Um, he's just shown that he's not going to turn the ball over, things like that. Um, you could probably win more games overall with Bridgewater. Maybe you're 7-9 and nine with Bridgewater. Um, maybe you're four and twelve with Sam Darnold because, like I said, he's throwing so many turnovers, and the New York press is already turning on him. Even though I'm, you know, sitting there saying, "Man, week to week, this guy's really getting better." It's just, you know, it's not going to result in wins right away. Um, it could be like a four and twelve season with a guy like Darnold. So that's why I wouldn't really bet this because um, we don't know exactly what's going to hit. You know, there's there's a ceiling and a floor with this team. Um, I don't think the ceiling's too high, and I definitely don't think the floor is um, first pick because they have, you know, these leaders in the secondary and they have so many options at quarterback to where they're going to get solid play at quarterback. It's just, you know, it's variable what they're going to get at quarterback. So I wouldn't bet it. I wouldn't expect them to make the playoffs. Um, But I would expect, you know, if they finish second place and if they, you know, Darnold, you know, started Rocky and was heading into the off season buzzing. um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, At the same time, I kind of expect him to be similar to Carson Wentz. Actually. Um, I would expect it to be that, you know, if you guys remember Carson Wentz, when he was thrown out there for the, for the Eagles, um, they were like three and zero to start the season, and then they finished six and ten. Um, and they were tinkering with his mechanics. They were tinkering with. He has the same release issue. Or he he still somewhat does, but he had a really bad release issue that Darnold had. And um, they were fixing that. And he was throwing a ton of picks towards the middle and the end of the season. And people were just so far off of Wentz. I think it's going to be honestly similar to Wentz. And they went six and ten, and then won the Super Bowl the next year. So I mean. Maybe you just go six and ten this year and figure it out. I'm not saying that yet, but uh, I do love Sam Darnold. You hear that? Oh man! I just finished it with a little, you know, you're winning the Super Bowl in two years. (laughs) (laughs) I do love Sam Darnold, though. I'm not gonna lie. Like I said, I don't buy into intangibles and winner and all that crap, but um, he has intangibles because you can physically see. There's no stat for the intangibles he has, but you can physically see him process the game so fast that um, I do like Sam Darnold. So we'll see. Well, personally, I can't wait to see him. So that's all. Really yeah, me too. All right, well, Jets fans, uh, yeah, not that much hope this year. Uh, maybe next year, but uh, you know, you guys saw a little squad. You definitely uh, watch Darnold here as we wrap up. Um, the next pod, we're gonna move on to the the good old Patriots, who have the highest odds to win this division by far. 
the but evil empire of this AFC East. The evil empire with all the good-looking white guys and Bill Belichick <laughs> commanding the helm. Bill Belichick is a good-looking white guy. Oh, yeah, true, true, I guess. All right, well, until <laughs> next time, anyone, you guys, uh, I'll smell you later. Parker, any last words? No, um, just like I said, if you guys start Darnold, don't freak out. It's He's going to be bad. That's completely fine. Let him be bad. Just let him be bad, please. Just don't be Cleveland. Okay. Yeah, don't pull a Cleveland and overreact. <laughs> All right. Peace. All right. Peace.